0: Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Because I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. Okay,
0: well, it's uh, Rod Hatley, tax and estate planning attorney here in San Diego, filling in for Andrea Kay and uh, taping the show for her. And in, my, uh, in, in the studio today, I have special guest, CPA Al Arias. Did I get that right?
1: In person.
0: Excellent. Okay, good. I got it right. Al Arias. Okay. So that's the pronunciation. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, sitting in for Andrea today, and uh, part of the reason why we've got Al sitting in with us this morning is we know that the House GOP released its tax bill or its proposed tax bill last week, and we thought we would uh, bring in somebody who deals with taxes on a daily basis. And is really good at them. And that's the reason we have Al sitting in this morning. And uh, then we'll uh, have a chance to talk about some news that you can use as we uh, fill out the rest of the time. So, Al, let's see. Uh, have you had a chance to digest anything about the uh, the House GOP tax bill or the proposal that they uh, released last week?
1: There's a lot there.
0: <laughs> what is it, 400 pages, I think it was? Yeah, over 400, 420. Holy mackerel. Okay, so I guess in terms of that... But
1: you can multiply that. You can square it, double it, <laughs> uh, triple it, yeah. exponentially it. Yeah. It has introduced an immense amount of complexity. So it's being sold as simplification.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's anything know, but that. I think it's the uh, CPA and tax attorney's full employment. There like we I th- go. I think that's exactly what it is. And yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, I think it's like the same question about you know healthcare. Who knew that tax simplification could be so complicated?
1: Well, it starts out with the elimination of the estate tax. Yeah. Uh, that is that affects very very few people. Exactly. And accumulates a very small amount of taxes. That's true. And uh, more than quadruples the tax by eliminating the step up, so that heirs will be paying three, four, five times the amount in income taxes, then the the estate would have been diminished by estate taxes. In many cases, estate taxes zip.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I think it's not supposed to be totally phased out until 2024, and uh, so I think the uh, I know the the estate tax has been repealed a number of times, It's always been reenacted. So, and and what we or what I understand is that back in early March, uh, introduced on the floor of the uh, state assembly up in Sacramento was a bill to institute California's own estate tax. So, even if we were to see it go away federally, we're going to see it happen on the state level. So that's, you well, know, we're
1: really, seeing everything happen to the state level, tax <laughs> yeah. and spend. Oh, absolutely, big time.
0: Yeah, and I just saw the uh, the price of gas went up over the weekend. You know, (laughs) so it's not funny. No, I I mean I I just it's it's the incredulity, you know, that um, you know we get taxed and yeah, I know lots of people are upset about it because these uh, these uh, so-called taxes never really seem to go to the bottom line, and they're not paying for road improvements and other essential services that they were implemented for. I don't know who's getting wealthy off this, but certainly it's not coming back. It doesn't appear to be coming back to the, um, you know, to the citizenry. So To I,
1: the intended purpose. Yeah. and that's, As far as the electorate is concerned. Sure. The legislature does what they want.
0: I think that's probably true, generally speaking. And that, that's unfortunate. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. So, anything else about the new tax bill that has got your attention? I mean, obviously, this is the opening salvo, and we're going to have to see what the the Senate does, and then there'll have to be some kind of reconciliation between the two before we would see any tax cuts actually get implemented. But anything else that jumped out at you as something that you thought was just odd, or gee, that would be a real shame if they do that. Well, almost <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> kind of an open question there, huh? Well. Uh,
1: it's hard to figure out what most to bitch about. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But the elimination of the alternative minimum tax is definitely a step in the right direction. Right. Uh, But the the elimination of the deduction Mm -hmm. for uh, local income taxes the
0: state and local income taxes, right. the salt taxes. They so go
1: anyone is any couple that's making more than one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year adjusted gross income. Yeah, that has no effect because the uh, income taxes taxes of any kind are not allowable for the alternative minimum tax. And people uh, having adjusted gross income greater than one hundred sixty thousand are paying the uh, alternative minimum tax. So it has no effect. So all of this fighting mm-hmm. about the elimination of the income tax yeah. is just BS okay. for them. Yeah. Of course, it affects uh, people in the lower brackets, and uh, they they are paying less tax not a great amount less mm-hmm. yeah but it's a great amount to them because uh, if you give somebody a four thousand dollar tax break mm-hmm. and they're making forty thousand a year right there, that's a ten percent break.
0: yeah yeah
1: so for the for it is I think it is true that there'll be simplification for a great percentage of the taxpayers okay because they they will be able to file their tax returns. Uh, on a postcard. Well, good. So that doesn't affect uh, your clients or my clients, people that have more significant means but are middle class. Right, right. So the middle class uh, will, in the main, uh, have a lesser income taxes to pay. Okay. But uh, the very rich, sure. you know, most – see. The 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 39.6 bracket right actually happened for married couples making greater than about 450 thousand mm-hmm. in taxable income, and so now the 39.6 bracket starts at a million dollars or more taxable. Yeah. So all those people between <laughs> the <poor. laughs> call it 500k and a million, sure, they get a big tax break. Okay.
0: Okay well
1: and uh, so yeah I mean on that on that singular issue sure they get a tax break but all of the trade-offs and all of the complexity that's created by having still another portfolio mm-hmm. which is business income the definition of business income right that is going to be fought over for 20 years in the courts 20 <laughs> years oh is that all yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, wow. Well, probably more, but you yeah. know, it it goes on. We still have today. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, capital gains rate was introduced in nineteen fifty four. Okay, so today in twenty seventeen, numerous yearly, numer- yearly numerous cases yeah. are over whether taxable income is ordinary or capital. Oh wow. Yeah. So this, this now, now you have classifications. Is it passive income? Is it uh, portfolio income? Is it you know, classification after classification? What that creates is litigation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it keeps the tax litigators happy and keeps them in business. And But the, the challenge is, I mean, it takes a long time for us to ever figure this stuff out. And then by the time we do... What do you do? And for the clients you're trying to advise, it makes it more challenging for you because there's not so much uncertainty about whether, well, is this really passive income? Is this really capital gain income? I mean, what is it? So, And,
1: and on top of all of that is that uh, the IRS bureaucracy has a brain drain. They have uh, much less funding. Yeah for what they have to do.
0: And I think they have fewer and, people these days on a lot of, <laughs> lot of positions yeah, are going unfilled.
1: That's what the brain drain is. Yeah. All of the experienced people yeah. have left the government because they get um, severance pay. They you know there's yeah. there's things happening that encourage their retirement. Okay. And what is the replacement are people that are very inexperienced and not ready right. for what they're doing. Okay. And therefore, they tend to do nothing yeah it's it's very, very frustrating,
0: yeah How are you advising your clients now? I mean, as we head into the end of the year i mean it's already November, and I think I was just sharing with a colleague this morning that Thanksgiving is just a little over two weeks away and um and obviously, any tax cuts we're not gonna see i mean I think realistically until early twenty eighteen so um, just business as usual for your clients, just, you know, making the best, uh, guess as, uh understanding what the law is that is right now. And then advising them, you know, this may change, but this is what it is right now. And this is how we have to, okay.
1: Well, uh, basically I, have always been an advocate of, uh, multiple entity strategies. Okay, good. And so all that's going to happen is there's going to be a tweak in the income splitting strategies, the income tax is basically about deferral. Okay. Defer, 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 defer. Right. Until you're in a situation where you can accelerate and not pay a lot of tax. Okay. And because business goes up and down, it right. happens like every five to 10 years for virtually everybody. Sure. So uh, the play seems to be early on to leave more Taxable income in entities, okay. be they pass-through entities or tax-paying C corporations and other tax-paying entities, uh, because generally speaking, the tax on those kinds of entities goes down significantly from say thirty-five percent to twenty percent. Okay, and so if your personal tax rate is thirty-nine point six. You don't want to pay personal taxes. You want to pay entity taxes that yeah. are levied at twenty percent.
0: Sure, you want to get it down,
1: right? Now the cost of that for C corporations will be the double tax because you accumulate Bingo. a lot of yeah. uh, equity. But that double tax uh, is manageable, and not only that, it generally happens years and years down the line. You know, even if you're saying you're going to retire in five. Uh, generally speaking, you require maybe in ten. <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know? yeah, kick the and, can down and, the road, yeah. and know that. Yeah, you kick it down the road, and if you know how to do it, yeah, uh, you can defer indefinitely until death, and then it goes away.
0: I like I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the uh, the final moments that we have left, any any final thoughts about the uh, the House GOP proposal, uh, good, bad, or otherwise?
1: Well. I think it's good for some, and it's bad for others. So there's winners and losers. There always is. Yeah. And I don't think that's the law we're going to have. I think I agree. It's it's just a proposal. So there's going to be all kinds of... uh, issues, especially with respect to the mortgage interest, which is a very valuable deduction. It worked against the alternative minimum tax and sure. it works, of course, against the regular tax. Right. So that's taken away something very, very real. Yeah. And so the offset is lower tax rates. The lower tax rates have an effect. Yeah. But what has the most effect? It's case by case. Sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think that's about all that we have time for today. Al, thanks for stopping by. Really valuable to have your input on this because you see this on a daily basis with the clients that you advise. So thanks a lot for being here. We, I, I, do, I appreciate it, and I know the listeners do too.
1: My pleasure. It's fun.
0: Okay, and with that, I think we're going into a break here, and we'll see you
2: on the, on the flip side. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Okay, back again
0: uh, The Tax and Estate Planning Attorney Rod Hadley filling in for Andrea Kay on the show. Uh, we just had a chance to talk to Al Arias and uh, got some of his insights. And I think as with any tax uh, proposal, uh, the opening salvo we got from the House GOP last week and uh, now the Senate has to do its thing, and I think we'll have to see some kind of a compromise bill uh, in the uh, the new year, and any tax cuts will come probably in early 2018. When that'll be specifically, nobody knows. But I think, uh, as Al pointed out, um, tax simplification comes at a cost, and uh, what I thought I would do in the time that we have, I mean, we will talk about estate planning because that's you know what I specialize in and focus my attention on. And we'll also talk about a little bit of asset protection planning today um, in our time together. But I thought I would uh, take a moment to kind of hit some of the high points of the uh, proposed uh, tax plan that came out of the House last week. Uh, Let's see. So what I would recommend and caution folks is don't take the House proposals as gospel. Uh, They're bound to change as lobbying groups uh, pick apart uh, the revenue raisers uh, in the package and... Um, additionally, uh, the fixes are going to be required to get more Republicans on board because know that no Democrats are going to sign on. So Republican unity is really going to be essential for this thing to to pass whether. Well, certainly what we're going to what they just gave us last week is the opening bid. And then, of course, the Senate has to get involved. So anyway, i um, it's going to be a bumpy ride. I think that goes without saying. Let's take a look at some of the details. I don't want to go into too much detail, but just to kind of hit the high points of what we expect to see out there. Um, the individual income tax rates are going to come down to four. It goes from seven to four. Uh, there'll be 12%, 25%, 35 and 39.6%. And for single taxpayers, the 12% rate uh, uh, runs up to 45000 The rate tops out at $200,000 of income. The 35% rate ends at $500,000, and the 39.6% rate kicks in for taxable incomes that exceed $500,000. And for married couples, uh, the 12% rate um, uh, applies for incomes up to $90,000. 25% would max out at $260,000. The 35% rate would end at one million dollars, and the thirty-nine point six percent rate would apply above a million dollars. Uh, the brackets are going to be indexed uh, for inflation, and the top and the tax rates for uh, capital gains and dividends would stay the same as they are right now. Um, I, we're told that the standard deductions uh, would nearly double. And they would go up to $24,000 for married filers and $12,000 for individual filers. And those singles who have children could claim an an additional $6,000. And there's an increased child tax credit, too, $1,600 per dependent under the age of 17. And there would be a new temporary five-year credit of $300 for a taxpayer, spouse, and non-child dependents and uh, personal exemptions for filers and their dependents would be repealed, so the personal exemption would go away. Um, Credits that exist right now for adoption, plug-in vehicles, and a few others would disappear, and many education tax breaks would be axed, but the 529 plans would be enhanced to allow for uh, payouts for elementary and secondary education uh, and apprentice programs. Uh, we were just talking to Al Arias uh, a few minutes ago. The alternative minimum tax would be repealed, and that's also the same for the estate tax. Uh, but not right away. Uh, the estate tax exemption would first be doubled. Right now, it's $5.49 million. I, When I talk to my clients, I like to say that that's a coupon amount because if I start talking about the applicable exclusion amount, Uh, Most clients, uh, their eyes glaze over and they start snoring. But if I talk about a coupon, most people have dealt with a coupon at some point in their lives. So the $5.49 million coupon that uh, everybody has in their hip pocket right now would uh, go up to a million dollars starting in 2018. And then the full repeal of the estate tax would be slated for 2024. Uh, Now, the estate tax repeal could be in jeopardy in the Senate where leaders are talking about keeping the tax on the books, uh, but with an increased uh, coupon amount. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen, but that's at least what the House GOP wants to do. Now we'll have to see what the Senate comes up with. Um, There would be no change in asset basis step-up for heirs of estates of any size. Now let me just make this really, uh, let me talk about this in plain English. When we talk about an asset basis step-up, let's say you bought your home, however many years ago, let's say you, you, you bought it for half million dollars, okay? And let's say that the house is now worth a million dollars, which is not unusual here in Southern California, but um, it, w- most people today, they well, I mean, anybody who dies owning that property, they're going to see a step up in the basis from a half million dollars to a million. And then, of course, um, uh one proposal would be that if the estate tax goes away, instead of getting a step-up in basis, you would see what's called a carry-over basis. So your heirs, your beneficiaries, whoever gets that property from you, instead of that property being stepped up from a half-million to a million-dollar fair market value as of the date of your death, they would get it at what your basis in it. So if you paid a half-million dollars for it, then that's the basis that they would get, your heirs or your beneficiaries. These are the people that would take from you um, if the... Uh, the asset basis step up didn't happen, but as we understand it, uh, that asset basis step up would be retained. So, f- regardless of the size of the estate, that would be, and that's a good thing because then your heirs can sell the property. They have a zero uh, for a capital gain, and uh, they can sell that property, not pay any capital gains taxes on it. And that's, and that's a good, good result. One of the few good things about dying, I think. Uh, the uh, we were talking to Al. Areas about the mortgage interest deduction uh, would be nicked. Under current law, taxpayers uh, can deduct interest on as much as $1 million worth of mortgages that are used to buy, build, or improve uh, a primary residence and a second home, plus the interest paid on up to $100,000 of home equity debt. The House would slash the million-dollar cap to $500,000 and axe the write-off for interest on home equity loans. In second homes, Um, the provision would be effective for loans incurred after November second, 2017, so last week, in other words. Um, Charitable contributions write-off would be saved and possibly expanded. Several other big big write-offs would go away. Personal casualty losses, gambling losses, tax preparation fees, moving expenses, alimony, uh, employee business expenses, and medical costs. And um, this one, however, because it uh, impacts seniors and the chronically ill, among others, um, is believed to have a good chance of surviving in some form of any tax package that's ultimately enacted. For those folks who have fringe benefits, employee achievement awards, uh, both would be taxed as income. And uh, there would be no more tax-free employer-provided moving expense reimbursements. So that would be a challenge for those folks who were moving into a a new area. Excuse me. And um, the home sale exclusion, I mean, right now the present law is that if you sell your home and you've lived there two of the last five years, you can exclude up to $250,000 of capital gain. And if it's a married couple, they can double it and exclude up to a half million dollars. And what's being proposed under the House bill would – the $500,000 exclusion starts to phase out dollar for dollar when the adjusted gross com- gross income goes over $500,000. And for single filers, the $250,000 exclusion—remember, it's $250,000 per person. So for a single person, it would be $250. Uh, that exclusion would begin to phase out at $250,000 of AGI. So anyway, that's uh, that's a, a new wrinkle and that can be uh, impactful. And here, you get, the, uh, you get the tax break if you've uh, owned and used the residence as your primary home for at least five out of the last eight years. So it's now up from two out of the last five. It's now five out of the last eight. And uh, that could be challenging for people to satisfy those requirements. Uh, tax benefits for retirement plans have not been curtailed, at least as of the GOP bill last week. Uh, there had been a rumor that the House GOP wanted to reduce the amount of pre-tax pay-ins to 401ks, but apparently President Trump, uh, through his tweets, has put an end to that, at least for right now, and we'll see whether that continues to be the case. Um, there, uh, for those of you who maybe have a Roth IRA conversion, uh, there's an important change. The House would bar... Uh, IRA owners who convert their traditional IRAs into Roth IRAs from later undoing the switch and recovering the income tax paid. Because if you have a traditional IRA, uh, that was funded with pre-tax dollars. So if you decided to convert that from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, well, you'd typically pay the taxes and then you'd have that money goes into the Roth IRA and it's tax-free when you pull it out. Um, there might be those people who decide to undo that, and so they want to get back the taxes that they paid when they made the conversion to begin with. Well, that's all going to go away, at least under the House uh, proposal. And let's see. Al was here talking a few minutes ago. We were talking about... uh, Really, what sounds like gaming the system, because you've got your individual tax rates, but then you've got your corporate or your entity tax rates, that would be much less. So it's how do you, how do you slice and dice that to maybe pay the least amount of tax? Uh, the House bill would uh, reform the taxation of businesses. Corporations would pay a tax at a flat 20% rate, which would be uh, much less than 35%, which is the top bracket right now. Uh, personal services corporations would be subject to a flat 25% corporate tax. And the corporate alternative minimum tax would also be scrapped as well. And um, it, it's going to get complex. I think Al's point was that n- no matter how you try to do this, uh, if you try to simplify the tax system, you know, the devil's always in the details. So you'd be looking at... Um, the tax rate that individual tax uh, owners uh, of pass-throughs would pay is going to get really complex because you've got a proposed 25% top tax rate that's subject to lots of special rules, and uh, but then again, you've got to compare and contrast that with their individual tax rate, and so if the the entity tax rate is less than their individual tax rate, then why not go with that? And Congress already knows that there's going to be lots of gaming of the system So there are special provisions that we just don't have time to get into here, and I don't want to put people to sleep by talking about it. Just know that it's not going to be easy, and uh, that'll all have to be worked out uh, between the the House and the Senate uh, with whatever ultimately uh, is enacted, uh, signed into law next year. Excuse me. So anyway, um, let's see. I think that's pretty much um, that in a nutshell. I wanted to just hit some of the high points that the House GOP bill had, uh, uh, you know, last week when it was uh, announced. And uh, Todd, how are we doing on time? You got about two minutes. Okay, great. And let's see. So the thing I would say, uh, for those of you who are working with a good tax and accounting professional, let me encourage you to continue that relationship and know that the tax laws will change, but um, they more than likely won't be retroactive. They'll be perspective, forward-looking only. So I think for right now, you know, the tax law is what we know it to be. What uh, it may be, that's anybody's guess. And so, you know, continue to work with your tax accounting professionals. uh, Get the good advice that they've been giving you and then plan your strategy accordingly and be able to, you know, change as you need to because uh, as the year progresses, 2018 goes forward and we see the tax law get enacted, whatever it may be in its final form, uh, that will be how your accountants and your tax professionals will help you uh, on a going-forward basis. So you just have to be nimble and adaptable and reflexive, and that's just how things will go. And uh, let's see. I, um, when we come back from the break here in about a minute or so, we're going to uh, get into some more news that you can use. We'll talk about estate planning. I've given that definition before, but I think it bears repeating, especially as we head into the holiday season. And then, of course, um, some ideas for those of you who do have businesses, things that you can do to structure yourself in the right way to protect yourself on a going forward basis. And be sure that if you are sued, that um, you can sleep at night knowing that you've done the the best possible planning to protect yourselves and your personal assets. And uh, Todd, I'll give it over to you.
2: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Okay, back with you again. Thanks for staying with us this uh,
0: on the program, uh, Todd. I hadn't had a chance to check in with you today. How are you doing? I'm always good. Excellent, man. You're the man. It had a great weekend. Uh, you know, it was nice weather out there. It was uh, it was real sunny, but it had a nice cool breeze. Oh my goodness! At this time of year, I don't know if I can take another. Another October full of hundred degree heat. I just, you know, I, I thought, you know, one of the reasons that, that people like to come to San Diego is that seventy two degree year round weather. And then when you've got a hundred degrees on the on the thermometer, you just have to think, yeah, you know, something am I in the right place? I mean, you know, and the funny thing is most people on the coast don't have air conditioning. Oh, so people in Santee oh and Oklahoma, they're hanging out in their air conditioned homes, but yeah, we down in PB and La Jolla. We're hotter than heck. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's uh it really is. A, it can be a real uh, challenge to uh, enjoy. I mean, and usually um, like, like on Coronado, especially cause you're right there almost at sea level. Um, you know, they typically, you know, who needs an air conditioner, you know, just the nice cool ocean breeze. Well, not when you got a hundred degrees on the thermometer, Anyway, thanks uh, thanks for uh, doing the great job you always do for us and supporting us here. Um, what we're going to do now, uh, just kind of changing course a little bit, we've talked to, we had Al Arias uh, come in uh, uh, earlier, uh, kind of gave us his input or his insights on the uh, uh, House uh, proposal for the tax uh, tax bill. And then, of course, we've reviewed some of those uh, ideas in, in a little bit, in more detail here just now. Um I always try to come on the show and give you some news that you can use so I think what I'll do right now is I'll talk a little bit about estate planning because that's really what how I uh, how I earn my living. I'm a tax and estate planning attorney so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you an estate, uh, the, the definition of estate planning and I think um, this will help you understand what it is that I do and why I do what I do and I'm gonna give it to you twice. I'm gonna give it to you the first time. It probably won't make a lot of sense but then I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna break it down into its component parts and then I'll give it to you one a second time, and then that second time it should make a lot more sense. At least that's the goal. Okay, so what is the definition of estate planning? It's as follows. I want to control my property while I'm alive and well. I want to provide for me and my loved ones if I become mentally disabled. I want to leave what I have to whom I want, and it gets to them when I want, and more important, the way that I want. And then finally, I want to be able to do all of these things with fully disclosed and controlled settlement costs, both to me and those whom I love. Now, that's a mouthful, so let's chunk it down and and walk back through it so that we can understand uh, all the different component parts, and then I'll give it to you one last time, and ideally, it'll make a lot more sense then. I want to control my property while I'm alive and well. Uh, I've never met a client who wanted to give up control. I think not that my clients are all control freaks, but I think that m- uh, my clients have worked very hard to achieve whatever they have in life. And even if they have a modest estate, it's their estate. They've worked very hard. They've, through thrift and saving and going without and doing without, they've been able to accumulate some assets and they're very proud of that, but they don't want to lose control. So by doing estate planning, and if you own a home here in uh, California, I'd recommend people consider having a living trust to own that home, but even if uh, they don't have a home and they just maybe have uh, minor kids, uh, they should have an estate plan to include a a will and uh, supplemented by all the other documents that would go along with that, like a power of attorney, health care directive, and a HIPAA authorization. Uh, Good documents, good planning for clients, and uh, so you actually stay in control. Now, uh, I'll pick on myself. I have, so you know, I've got my own estate plan in place And uh, if when I'm driving home tonight from the office, heaven forbid, I should get into a really bad car wreck. And now I'm mentally disabled because uh, I've done my planning. I don't have to worry about that because I've got people that I've designated to step up to the plate and to uh, make sure that, you know, I'm taken care of. My assets are managed the right way, et cetera. Uh, But if I hadn't done that, uh, then probably what I'm looking at is what's called a a conservatorship. And what is a conservatorship? Well, that's a guardianship for a grown person. So somebody's going to have to put me in front of the probate court judge downtown and say, Your Honor, this is Rod. He's incompetent now to manage his affairs. Please appoint me, some third person, to be the one who takes care of him, uh, manages his assets, etc. And so now uh, my conservator gets to report to the court every two years, how am I doing, how are they managing my assets, etc. And we sometimes call that a living probate because I'm alive, though I'm not well, and I'm subject to the probate court's jurisdiction. So, and probate is not the is not recommended because it takes time, it costs money, and it's a matter of public record. So, uh, we can avoid probate. I can avoid probate. You can avoid probate by having an estate plan um, that's in place. And again, if you own real property in California, your home, even though you may have a dollar of equity in it. Uh, the idea is have a living trust, put your assets into that living trust, and then if you're disabled, you've got successor trustees who will step up to the plate, make sure that you're taken care of, your assets are managed appropriately, et cetera. Okay, so that's the first part of the definition. I want to provide for me and my loved ones if I become mentally disabled. Well, we've kind of hinted at that already. Again, if I were to become, you know, if as a result of an injury or a disease, I'm now incompetent to manage my affairs then uh, I've got a plan of, of action, and people will uh, take care of me and take care of my assets so that uh, if I never recover, then I'm, I'm good. I don't ever have to go through the probate court process called conservatorship. And if I get better, great. You know, I can be restored as the uh, acting trustee of my trust. And uh, the only challenge with just having a simple will is wills go through probate. So it doesn't really do you much good if you become incapacitated, but uh, if you have a power of attorney, that's a general, durable power of attorney. The durable part of it means that it will survive your incapacity. But a minority of people do any planning. I think about 65% of the public out there has no planning at all in place, and that's a frightening statistic. So maybe 35% of us have either a trust or, at, at, at a minimum, we have a will. And, you know, that's, a, will, a simple will is better than nothing. But, again, if you own real property in California – Let me encourage you, think about getting a living trust and putting your home into the living trust, and that will avoid the conservatorship and certainly avoid probate someday when you pass on. Okay, Uh, let's take a look at the third part of the definition. I want to leave what I have to whom I want, and it gets to them when I want, and more important, the way that I want. Uh, We're all going to pass on at some point, so then the question is, how would I want to leave my assets? Um, I... uh, I would like to leave my assets in such a way that, uh, you know, I have a nephew, and uh, he's about as close to a son as I'm getting in this lifetime, and he actually shares my birthday of all things, so that's uh, kind of a nice little benefit there. Um, if uh, When I die someday, uh, if I leave him anything, I want to leave it to him in a way that's protected for his later use and enjoyment. Uh, sometimes you'll see people who leave their assets outright free of trust to a beneficiary at a stated age. I don't think that age is 18. I think, uh, I think I, I don't know terribly many financially responsible 18-year-olds, but there are some, though not many. Probably the better answer is to say, well, maybe if you're going to leave it outright free of trust, maybe 30 is a proper age because if they went on to college, then they've completed that, and then if they did a professional program like law or medical school, business school, whatever. They've completed that, and possibly they've worked in the real world for a few years, and so they kind of understand how the world works. So, uh, but the the challenge with leaving an asset outright free of trust, even if it's say age thirty, is if they've been sued, they have a judgment against them, or they may have uh, they're going through a divorce, they can lose potentially up to half, if not all of it, depending on what's going on. So, I don't like the uh, outright free of trust, even if the age is thirty. The second way to do that might be to say, well, why don't we leave the assets uh, in a staggered distribution? That's where you say, well, th- they'll get one-third at 25, they'll get half of the balance at 30, and then the, f- the complete balance at age 35. Well, that's, that's slightly better because they've got successive bites at the apple, but for the same reason that I don't like the outright distribution at a stated age. Now, um, you know, if, if there's a judgment creditor out there and the judgment – that they have can't be satisfied by the first third that comes out at age 25, then they're going to come back again in five years when the half comes out. And if that's still not enough, guess what? They're going to come back again at age 35 and take the balance. And uh, understand, too, that these judgments uh, accrue interest at the rate of 10% a year. And I'm often asked, well, why is it 10%? And I say, well, it's because we attorneys really stink at math. And we thought, well, 10% a year sounds good to us, so let's just do that. So anyway... um, I think probably the best answer is to consider if you're going to leave assets to anybody, uh, leave it in a way that they can always have access to it. They can even control it at a certain point. But as long as it stays in trust, they can't lose it if they get sued or they have a divorcing spouse. I think that's a much better answer than to just leave it either outright or give a staggered distribution outright. I think I I call that a lifetime protected trust, and then that way um, the beneficiaries. Uh, receive it, they can always have access to it until, say, 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 age 30 for whatever they need, at 30 and beyond for whatever they want. And at age 30, if they're responsible, they can step up to the plate and be a co-trustee of their trust share with the existing trustee. And um, they have the ability to now say how they would like the money invested. Maybe they want to take a, f- a percentage of it and invest it in the next Facebook or what have you. But as long as it stays in trust, they can't lose it to a lawsuit or to a divorcing spouse what I like to call uh, creditors and predators. And then finally, I want to be able to do all of these things with fully disclosed and controlled settlement costs, both to me and those whom I love. Um, There's no way that you can write a trust one time that takes care of everything for all time. Uh, A trust needs to be updated. It needs to be maintained. Assets need to be checked and made sure that they're still owned in the name of a trust. Otherwise, you're setting up uh, the possibility of an ancillary probate, and we don't like to see that if we can avoid it. So the idea is uh, get your plan in place, and then if you know if the attorney who did it for you originally is going to work with you again uh, to administer it, then that's a great answer uh, because they wrote it, they know how it works, and they know how to uh, to uh, work with the family. And ideally, it should be a lot cleaner plan to administer, and you can contain the costs better than if you got the trust done. You did it twenty years ago, the kids were young, and now they're grandchildren, and uh, it can be a real mess and it can be really expensive to. Um, take care of everything, whereas if you get a, a good plan in place and you keep it updated and maintained, at a minimum, every five years, have it reviewed and have it updated. I think that's a much better answer. So again, quickly, estate planning is I want to control my property while I'm alive and well. I want to provide for me and my loved ones if I become mentally disabled. And then someday when I die, I want to leave what I have to whom I want, get to them when I want, and more important, the way that I want. And then finally, uh, I want to be able to do all of these things with fully controlled and controlled settlement costs, both to me and those whom I love. We'll see you on the flip side.
3: a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home.
2: You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Okay, back with you again.
0: Thanks for staying with us. And uh, as we close out this uh, segment of the program, um, one thing that uh, I've been asked about is, uh, can I talk about those strategies that uh, business owners, and a number of you listening are also business owners, might want to consider uh, as part of, um, you know, asset protection is important. And you know, you want to structure yourself the right way so that, heaven forbid, there should be a lawsuit. Um, You don't have to lose sleep at night knowing that your assets are up for grabs, that you've done the right planning ahead of time. And that's why I think it's valuable to spend a little time and give some thought to this as well. So uh, talk to you for a few minutes here about the different ways that you can protect yourself on a going forward basis. Um, Just a word to the wise, if uh, you've been sued, you know, there's, there's always, it's valuable to have you know, sit down with an attorney to talk about your rights and your responsibilities, um, and there may be some things that can still be done at that point, but if um, you're waiting until that moment to start doing some planning, it may be too late. So probably the better answer is to get uh, out ahead of this. Think in terms of setting yourself up for the right way going forward so that regardless of what happens, you can meet life's storms head-on, and not be uh, worried about what's going to happen to your personal assets if there's a successful uh, judgment against you. Uh, We'll talk about a number of things here, but I think let's begin at the beginning. I mean, choose the right business entity. Um, You know, depending on the kind of business that you're in, it might be valuable to have an S corporation uh, or perhaps an LLC, a limited liability company. That Again, uh, don't do this in a vacuum. If you've got a, a, a tax accounting professional who can help you, uh, that person should be able to provide you some really good advice on what the tax benefits would be because not only is there a certain amount of asset protection that uh, gets factored into this, there's also some, some great tax benefits that come out of it as well. So having a conversation with a, a good accountant or other tax uh, a professional, I think, is really key in addition to having a conversation with an attorney to st- structure yourself the right way going forward. Um, probably it's the rare instance where somebody would be well-suited to do a C-corporation because, as Al and I were talking at the top of the show, um, there's two levels of tax. There's the entity level of tax. The C-corporation pays its own level of tax, and then for dividends, they could distribute it out to the shareholders. There's another another level of tax. So probably no good reason for the average business owner out there to be a C corporation. Uh, now I say that advisedly there may be a good reason to do it that way, especially if your company may be, um, you know, trying to do capital raises and stuff like that, or you may have an initial public offering at some point, but uh, most people probably don't fit into that box. So uh, I think either an S corporation or an LLC would probably uh, be at least the opening gambit there. Um Number two, maintain the corporate veil. Now, you know, the idea is if you set yourself up, that's great. Now, keep it maintained. I mean, the problem that most people get into is that they set up their corporation or their LLC, and they don't do anything about it. You know, they don't follow the bouncing ball. They don't stay within the guidelines. And invariably, uh, it becomes a piggyback for their personal finances rather than a separate business entity, and they haven't treated as such. So as a consequence, people wind up um, being sued, and they go after they, they go they pierce the corporate veil and they go after your individual assets because the argument is well, you've only treated this as your own personal piggy bank and not as a separate business entity that it was established to be. So, uh, maintaining. Uh, the official records and doing what is required by law, filing your statements of information with the Secretary of State, all the things that you're supposed to do. If you're not doing those, you're just giving uh, a prospective creditor a really good argument to make that your corporate form or your LLC should be disregarded and they should be able to come after you and your personal assets to satisfy any judgment. Um, Number three, uh, great idea. Use proper contracts and procedures. I mean, I as an attorney. Uh, the state bar says that if I'm going to enter into a relationship with a client, I'm going to charge more than $1,000 for my services. I should have that uh, memorialized by a written contract. And so that you know, I do that. Um, and I would do it even if it was less than a um, you know $1,000. only because I just think it's nice to set the expectations uh, up front with the client. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to charge you to do it. And if um, there are any issues, you know, we lay out, you know, the rights and the responsibilities. I think it just makes a lot of sense to have that done the right way uh, up front. So, um, using the proper contracts and uh, procedures, and having procedures to follow. What are your protocols, and when do you bring out the contract? And if there is a dispute, I mean, how do you resolve it? Do you go to arbitration? and Do they file a lawsuit? I mean, what happens? So just getting that up front, I think, is really valuable. A good attorney, a good business attorney should be able to help you do that. Uh, and I think ideally for those listeners out there, um, if you're a business owner, I think you really should be working with a good tax and accounting professional and a good business attorney to set this up the right way. And I'd encourage you, Uh, also make sure you're working with an estate planning attorney so that your personal estate is planned for, and also how are you going to transition the business someday? Uh, some people want to die at their desk with their boots on. That's fine if that's what you want to do, but there might be a better way to do that and transition the business either to a key employee or to an adult child who wants to come into the business and take it over and you can sell it to him or her or what have you. Uh, let's see, um... Purchase the appropriate business insurance. Uh, I, as an attorney, have errors and omissions uh, coverage so that if I make a mistake uh, working for a client uh, through an error or an omission on my part, then there's a pot of money to make that client whole for any damage that they would have sustained as a result of my my negligence, okay? So having the right of business insurance is important. And also consider obtaining an umbrella policy of liability insurance. Uh, the umbrella, uh, kind of like the name implies, it kind of sits over everything else. It provides uh, additional protection over and above what your business insurance would provide you. And so, if um, someone, if I made a mistake, I get sued, uh, and they get a judgment for more than the policy limits of my E&O, then I can then go to the umbrella liability policy to pick up uh, that shortfall. And ideally, we can make the client whole in a way, uh, that, uh, makes them, allows them to move forward with their lives. So, um, obtain, uh, or consider getting umbrella insurance. Um, if you're married, you may want to consider placing certain assets in a spouse's name. For example, let's say, uh, a, a, a listener out there is maybe an OBGYN and it's not a matter of if you're going to be sued. It's a matter of when you're going to be sued and you, you know, you're doing a, a wonderful job, uh, delivering babies and, uh, Helping with that, but at some point there will just there'll be a lawsuit. I mean that kind of follows as the day does the night. So, um, you may want to consider putting uh, valuable assets like, for example, the family home into uh, the, spa- the name of the spouse who doesn't operate in that kind of uh, business. Um, maybe it's it's a you know the spouse who's not working as an OBGYN. the 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 caveat with that is if you put that asset into the name of the spouse who's not Serving as a doctor, then if there's le- later a divorce, guess who is probably going to get the house because you've already done that ahead of time. So, um, the best answer is work with your good advisors, work with your tax and accounting professional, work with your business attorney, and also work with your estate planning attorney to set this stuff up. Please don't do this in a vacuum. And let me encourage you it's great to go on Google, um, do your research, kind of get smarter about this stuff, but I really caution folks to. Or, and even LegalZoom has uh, interesting articles on the law, et cetera. I would always say, you know, if you're a doctor, you're probably really good at being a doctor. You're probably not so good being, a, 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 you know, a part-time attorney, and I wouldn't recommend that. Do what you're best at. Hire a good counsel to help you, whether that's a tax and accounting professional, business attorney, state planning attorney. They're good at looking at the details, and that's what you're paying them for. So let me encourage you to always consider that. Um, There are various uh, homestead exemptions uh, that you can take advantage of. Um, They're kind of uh, limited in California. I think for a single person, it's $75,000. For a married couple, it's $100,000. And if you're over 65, um, disabled, or you make less than $15,000 a year, you can get up to $175,000. And that protects the equity in your home up to that amount. Uh, And quickly, uh, the reason why O.J. Simpson left Brentwood after he got that $33 million judgment against him for the civil trial back in 1997 was he went to Florida, and why did he go to Florida? Because Florida has an unlimited homestead exemption, so he could buy a new home in Florida and never have to pay that judgment because all of his equity would be completely protected. Okay, and then finally, you may want to consider looking into an asset protection trust and that's a trust. It's an irrevocable trust that you put assets into. You can have access to those assets, enjoy those assets, but if you are sued, you can't lose those assets to a successful judgment creditor. So, um, and, and when you look into doing this kind of planning, especially on the asset protection side, let me encourage folks, you know, start the conversation sooner than later. I mean, once the lawsuit has shown up on your doorstep, that's probably not the best time to be looking into it. There may still be opportunities that we can talk about, options that we can employ, but options may have come off of the table, and so that can be a real challenge. So I'd say start the conversation sooner than later. I hope this has been a helpful uh, cursory review of the kinds of things that as uh, the listeners who are business owners can take advantage of to set themselves up for success going forward. It's been a pleasure to sit in with you today. I'm Rod Hatley, tax and estate planning attorney. be honored to... Uh, of contribution. If you need to call me, happy to hear from you. Thanks for staying in with us and stay classy, San Diego.